Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to India Game Changer. Today, we are joined by Arun Bagaria, a co-founder and the CEO of TravClan. Arun, thank you so much for coming on the show. And before we get to the main part of this conversation, can you please give our listeners a little bit of your background for some context? Sure. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me here. Uh, super excited to have uh, joined this conversation. Uh, a bit about myself. So, you know, I've basically been born and brought up in Bombay, come from a business family, then did my BCom, then did my MBA from IIM Bangalore. Uh, since then, you know, uh, since 2014, I've been working primarily with startups. I've worked with a couple of great startups, uh, one in the travel space called Travel Triangle. Spent a couple of years there, uh, primarily in business operations, and then joined Cars24, which is in the automobile space, uh, leading new product development for uh, them for a year. And yeah, in 2018, we started TravClan. A little more about me. So uh, I enjoy watching football and playing chess. These are a couple of my hobbies. Uh, yeah, so that's about that. What was it like working at Cars24? I mean, from my knowledge, this is a very fast-growing, very well-funded company, right? And kind of a famous place to be. Was there like an incredible energy there when you were there? Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, so I joined uh, when the company was just a year old, but the company had already go grown to 800 people, right? So yeah. speaks a lot about the kind of growth Cars24 had experienced. And fundamentally, I think, uh, you know, what Cars24 has gone on to solve is created, uh, like they've created a terrific value proposition at that time for people who were looking to sell their used cars, right? And that came from the fact that the team was super excited about solving the problem. And, you know, in India, it is a large problem if you're looking to sell uh, anything. So that was amazing. And then uh, my role was working in product. So just a year old company, which has grown so quickly. So working on the product, on the technology aspect, which is where, you know, all the action is happening, all yeah. the transactions are happening, the money is flowing. So that was an amazing experience as well. So do you think you take some of the stuff that you learned at Cars24 and say, oh my God, the travel industry probably has like similar problems or are you solving some kind of different problem in the travel industry? I would say that some of the problems are uh, very similar in the sense that uh, essentially when Cars24 started, they were solving sourcing of cars for dealers, right? So we're doing very similar in TravClan wherein we are solving sourcing of travel products for, uh, you know, travel agents. So that is something where the value proposition or you know the offering is similar and more than that i think one thing which i learned at cars24 is the advantage of uh, having a bias towards action a lot of times when you're doing things and yeah. you're working on you don't really know what's going to work and what's not going to work so the question really at cars24 everyone used to ask was what it takes to test it out in a small way or to you know try and see and get real feedback from customers Right. So that's something from an approach perspective, we learned when we sort of take it a step ahead, uh, you know, Cars24 always had this approach of, you know, what best we can do. Can we, you know, if dealers have a challenge in coming and picking the cars from our centers, can we deliver it right to their doorstep? Right. right? So mindset of, you know, building it from a customer first perspective, I think that's something which applies not just to travel, but to every industry, please. I agree. Do you feel like you were destined to run your own business at some point? Like you say, you come from a business family. And I presume when you say that, you don't mean that like your dad worked at a bank and your mom worked, you know, at an investment bank. Normally when you say a business family it means your family runs their own business or runs like business with the uncles and cousins and stuff like that. Do you think you're always destined to do this? 
Um, I think yes, uh, partly because uh, everyone in my family is either running their business or is a chartered accountant, uh, which is a traditional path. But after that, they started their own chartered accountancy firm. Right. They never ended up working at like a big four, Ernst & Young and so on and so forth. Right. So my brother as well, right. He's a chartered accountant and he runs his own advisory firm. I love it. So growing up, yes, I did think about, you know, starting something of my own at some point of time. Uh, but I think in this journey, right, of working with different startups, what I really understood is that, you know, while starting up is great before one starts up, he needs to know, like one needs to know why they are doing this. Yeah. Right. And that why is it goes beyond, you know, what problem you're solving or what industry you're in, but sort of relates to at the core, what, what you really want to gain from it, right? Like, because entrepreneurship, big or small, takes the same amount of effort. Like I've seen my dad put in that amount of effort. And right. if you don't have that sense of uh, purpose or clarity as to why you're doing this, it can be really uh, difficult and lonely at times as well, right? Like yeah. you need to keep figuring out those answers. So yeah, I do think that it was destined, but not necessarily. I thought that, you know, in this shape and form, I'll be doing this with these co-founders or in this industry. So that's something I think you uncover as life progresses. As you go along. But I do think it's really important, like just to use your, just to use your terminology. I think there's a small why, right? The small why is we want to do this thing. We want to solve this problem. But the big why is more important. That's the thing that gets you up in the morning, right? And you must have read Simon Sinek's book, right? It starts with why. Which is a good starting point for understanding this. But if we do dig deep into this, what motivates you thing, which you just mentioned, what exactly is it, right? What about the travel business? What about travel clean is the thing that motivates you to get up every day and to do this thing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, very important, right? Like, because what motivates us or what motivates me, two things, right? Like, first is, I think, when I look at what I enjoy doing more is uh, when I was able to make an impact, right? Like, yeah. so impact here for me personally simply means that if I can uh, see a correlation between the input and the output, right? Like the output may not be very instant. It may come in two months later or at times even two quarters later. But I think if we can see that impact in people's lives and, you know, we are a tech company, so we want to leverage tech as much as possible to, you know, make sure that, the lives of our users are improving because of the technology that we are building. Yeah. I think that is, uh, you know, at the core of what motivates us, you know, when we, so just to give you a little more context about what we do as a company. Please. So typically, uh, you know, uh, what we do is we help travel agents grow their business, right? So in a nutshell, we, what we do is we sort of help them, uh, you know, digitize their entire business, create a website for them, help them with marketing tools to generate more traffic on their website. And in today's day and age, you know, when people think about travel agents, people think that no, nobody is using travel agents anymore, which actually is not true. Right. You know, 75% <laughs> of travel is still being booked through travel agents, right? Uh, it is a set of people who sort of seem to have been forgotten or people have sort of assumed that they are not using technology, but there is actually an opportunity if you sort of give them the right tools, they can actually grow their business as well. How do, you, how do you figure that out, right? Here's the other thing. I think we talked about this offline a couple of weeks ago. Everybody like buys a house, rents an apartment, has a place to live, right? 
And, right. and so many people, I live in Bangkok. I feel like every third person in Bangkok is a real estate agent. That, that's not a joke. I really feel like that's the thing. And then I feel like a lot of the technologists that come to Bangkok are like, I know, I'll solve this problem with the real estate agents. And like 75,000 pe people are trying to build, it sounds like what you're building for travel agents. And yet I haven't heard of anybody building this thing. So right. what, what was it? Like, are you a big traveler? Was your mom and dad big travelers? Like, what was it about this where you said, oh, no one is working? Because it doesn't seem like anybody else is working on this, at least not where I live. What was, the, what was the aha moment for you where you're like, oh, my God, they need the same thing that kind of every real estate agent needs. We can build that. This started in 2014 when I joined a company called Travel Triangle, which is essentially a B2C marketplace for people going on a holiday. Okay. Right. So I was working in the travel industry for a couple of years where on a weekly, monthly basis, I was personally interacting with, you know, close to 200, 250 travel agents. So I understood at the core, right? Like what are the challenges that they faced, right? So Travel Triangle was solving one problem for them, which was essentially generating leads for these travel agents and passing leads of customers to them. But, you know, in these interactions, what I identified that these travel agents do have leads or they do have a set clientele and they grow their business through repeat and word of mouth referral clientele. Right. But what they really struggle is with supply, right? So that's the second part of the problem that we solve. What does that mean? Right. So supply her means that, you know, as a travel agent, I have a customer who wants to book a hotel in Bangkok. Yep. How do I book it for that customer? Yep. I have a customer who wants to, let's say, go to Universal Studios in Singapore. How do I book that activity? Right. I have a customer who used to do scuba diving in Bali. How do I do that? Right. So there is. I want to do all of, of these things, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, you know, if I look at my own, uh, you know, experience, right. Every time you travel, you want to do more and more and you yeah. want to do different, different things, right. Like people travel so that they can experience the culture and, you know, different, have more and different experiences. Right. So what we realized is that, you know, the world is evolving. Technology is evolving, but the role of a travel agent also needs to evolve, right? From just yeah. doing flight booking or hotel booking to sort of advising you on what you should be doing, yeah. right? So that was really, you know, where we saw that, hey, look, if I go to TripAdvisor, I'm still looking for advice. Exactly. If I go to Expedia, I'm still looking for advice in the shape of form of like going through those reviews and ratings. As humans, we want to trust we want to make decisions. Most of us want to make decisions based on other people's experiences and recommendations. Because right, otherwise we're making a decision in a vacuum, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where, you know, we knew that a travel agent uh, is, or a travel consultant, right? Like as it's called in the US and Europe, if we can sort of give them the right tools and help them upskill themselves, they are going to be able to add a lot of value to, you know, people's travel plans and their purchase decisions, right? So that is really what motivated us. Unfortunately, there was no one single moment which I can call as epiphany that, you know, hey, this is where we know that we need to do, do this. Yeah. Uh, it sort of was always intuitive to us that, hey, look, there is this problem. There is like $500 billion of travel being sold through travel agents. Wow. What do we really do? So the first starting point for us was actually, you know, what our friends would ask us hey, we want a deal. Do you have a good deal, right? Like, and especially, you know, in India, everyone's looking for a good deal. I think, right? I think in every country, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We said that, hey, look, customers need deals. And we know like suppliers, like hotels have unsold inventory. So if we create a platform where we get these deals and give it to travel agents, we did not do it as B2C. We still wanted to focus on 
the travel agent community. Yeah. Uh, these travel agents will be able to sell these deals. So that's what we, you know, first started with. Uh, that was like, hey, let's try this out. If we can do this, obviously we can expand. But that was really, you know, the moment when we started out, uh, when we would just moved out of our jobs. That's the first, you know, uh, pilot we did. And that's when we knew that, hey, we are onto something. How do you build? Because there's so much noise out there, right? Particularly today. If you go back 20 years ago, I want to give you an experience that I had in the travel business. And it kind of changed the way I thought about thing, the way things worked. A buddy of mine was constantly coming to Bangkok. We both lived in Tokyo. And he was constantly coming to Bangkok to buy round-the-world airline tickets. And he had a travel agent that he trusted, literally like on the third floor of the Emporium Mall on Skumvit Road. And he was like, look, go, go to her... And then you can buy these really cheap business class tickets. But I never would have been able to found, find her. And frankly, I wouldn't have trusted her even if I did find her, right? Because it's on the third floor, literally like in the back of the mall somewhere. But now that everything's digital, everybody's filled with all this information, right? Like I can go to Traveloka or Travelocity or all these things. And to be fair, I kind of don't trust the ratings. Do you know what I mean? Because those can be gamed as well. But I do trust when I talk to a person because I consider the travel agent, I think you make a really good point they should almost be like a travel concierge, right? Like, I want to go to Singapore, but tell me a great Italian restaurant that I'm not going to find on my own that's maybe in Chinatown on Amoy Street kind of thing. And then what should my kids do when they're there? That would be awesome, right? And if you're giving them those tools, that's insane because now I can trust them and now I don't have to do all the work myself, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, it does. Uh, You know, pretty much that's what, like I mentioned, right? Like, Every time you travel, right, like your expectations of you want to experience more and more, right? Yeah. And that's when people sort of move from being, you know, like a tourist to actually traveling. You know, like you said that, you know, technology, what it allows us is to sort of bring all of these different pieces of uh, content, right? Like from hotels to restaurants to, let's say, activities you could be doing, right, onto a single platform. So that's what we are essentially doing, right? And at the outset, right, like what we believe that, there will be, you know, not just hundreds, but thousands and, you know, tens of thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, who would be, uh, who would sort of become or grow into becoming these travel concierge, like yeah. the word you use, right? Yeah. And what really makes sense is that, you know, they will be best suited to serve the customers because they have that personal connect. They have, you know, the trust. And what we are best suited as a company is to ensure that when people are actually traveling, they have a excellent experience, which means like when you're actually, you know, in Singapore, how do you ensure that the pickup happens on time? The restaurant that you go to, you there is a reservation for you. You don't end up waiting. And when your kids are going for this activity and let's say you want to enjoy something else, how do you ensure that both happen? And you're not worried about, hey, my kids are in a different, like, you know, in a new country. How do I manage that? So these are the things that we go on to solve. So we don't build the just the tech stack wherein, you know, we've give them, given them a platform, but we sort of also ensure that whatever gets booked gets delivered and executed flawlessly, right? And that's super powerful. The concept of building a microsite for every agent is actually great, right? It's actually not that hard to do, but giving it to them for free is actually super helpful because most agents are never going to be able to build it themselves. Right. But is there is there a way to do this too? Not just like, an itinerary is the wrong way to say this, right? But if I book something with my travel concierge through TravClan, right? Because TravClan's the back end, so it's probably not even branded on the site, right? It's just, it sits in the back, it's powered by TravClan, which I kind of recommend you put on the site, but if you don't, you probably already do. But here's the thing I want to know. 
if I'm a customer, if I'm the C part in this B2B to C experience, right? Can I log in as well and see my full itinerary? Like, do I get a place there where I can do that too? So it's not just the travel agent they can see it, but like when I'm in Singapore and my wife says to me, hey, what are the kids supposed to be doing today? And what time is it? I'm like, oh, I left that piece of paper at home. Can I log in as well? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely can, right? So I love that's it. The, uh, that's where, you know, our experience of having worked in B2C companies, right? We sort of understand the anxieties people have when they're actually traveling themselves, right? So yeah. one of the things that we uh, place a lot of emphasis on and, you know, post-COVID, this has become, you know, extra critical. Yeah. Uh, is making sure that, when the traveler is actually traveling, he should have access to all the details, right? Right from the confirmation numbers to the itinerary, to the driver details, to knowing exactly where the pickup point is. Yeah. Right? Like you're standing at the airport in a you know a foreign country, you're traveling there. <laughs> Some van first. just pops up and you're like, yeah. get in, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you don't even know where the van is going to stop. Right. 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 So initially when when we started working, right, in 2014, right? Like it, it's just nine years back, but uh, at that time, you know, WhatsApp and internet voice-based calls did not really, were not Exist. really popular. Right. One of the biggest challenges we used to have is that, you know, people would be traveling, uh, we would, people would be standing on different gates yeah. within the terminal, right? right? And that's something which, you know, uh, one needs to solve, right? So it's not just about having access where you can log in and see information. It goes much beyond that, right? Like, how do you make that information act actionable, right? You know exactly what to do or what to expect and if something goes wrong you know whom to reach out to because that's one large source of anxiety when you're traveling i think this is like a marriage saver for sure definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah because the arguments that people have on vacation they're just like babe seriously you don't have the phone number for the guy that's going to pick us up like oh how did you not do that you ruined my vacation but let me tell you another story when my first time in cambodia so this was a long time ago in 1998 we booked a trip with detail travel like i still remember and the reason why I said like a van just shows up is because a van just showed up at the airport in, Cam in Cambodia. It was in Siam Reap. And my wife at the time, actually my girlfriend at the time looked at me and she was like, are those the guys? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, how would I possibly know? But we got in the van anyway. But it was a little bit disconcerting. Yeah. They didn't kidnap us or kill us, but it was a little bit disconcerting. But solving that, because this is the thing that nobody else has done yet, I think, not that I've seen where... They're solving it for the business side, but once that's done, all that info dies like on the business side and doesn't go to the customer side. Right. That is awesome. That's an awesome idea. Can, sorry, go ahead. Did I interrupt you? Were you in the middle of saying something? I feel like I interrupted yeah. you. No, I think both the things that you said, right? Like in terms of, you know, this being a marriage saver. So a lot, large part of not necessarily our customers, our customers are travel agents, but our customers, customers right. are people who actually, you know, the first time people from a younger generation use a travel agent, is when they're going on their honeymoon, exactly. right? And if they do that, they sort of realize that, you know, they always need to know someone they can put the blame on. Right. <laughs> and it better not and be her then, or him, right? Because that's yeah, a problem. Yeah. yeah. And similar to what you said, right? So again, uh, when we got, uh, like when I got married and we were going on our honeymoon, so we landed in Thailand uh, and we had the same exact experience, yeah, right? At the airport. And the difference here is that before we got into the cab, the driver requested that, hey, can I take a photo? because that's what our SOP was, right? So he requested if you're okay that, you know, we, yeah. we just share it that the pickup has been done uh, on time and, you know, it was a proper pickup. And this photo eventually ended up coming back to me because 
the people whom we are traveling with knew that you know hey this booking is from Travclan and this Travclan's you know a team member coming. So I was showing it to my uh, wife at that time that hey <laughs> look that's how good we are. <laughs> It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. And h- wait, how long have you been building this? You said. Uh so it's been four and a half years. We oh, started wow. in. How, how big is the team now? So we're close to two hundred people now. So we've expanded over the last uh, one year from being a, like you know close to one hundred and twenty people to two hundred people now. It feels easy to start a company when there are four people in it. And then maybe you'd learn along the way, like how to get to 14 people. Once you get to 40 people, it starts to get really tricky, but now you're 200. Like as the CEO, I'm super curious what you've learned along the way, because even when you were doing product at cars 24, and even when you were at your previous travel company, like you weren't running the whole thing and you're just watching kind of right. But now that you're in charge of the whole thing, what are some of the biggest challenges and problems that you had? And what have you learned along the way? Firstly, you know, I agree that, you know, running a four or a 14 people company is very different from running a 200 people company. Yeah. I think some of the biggest learnings that I've had is that, you know, as you're growing as a company, especially in, in a context like ours, where, you know, close to 50% of people have joined in just the last one year. Yeah. It's really important to sort of keep evolving and growing the culture that you're trying to build. Right. Right. And some of the biggest challenges that we have sort of faced as a company is that we've not always got it right uh, in terms of, you know, uh, setting the right expectations, right? Like given that we are in the travel and hospitality sector, we tend to have customers traveling throughout the year 24 seven. Yeah. So making sure that people understand that the nature of the work is such that things like these can happen at any point of time. More importantly, I think what is really important is, you know, when you're building a, a company, right? Big or small, as founders, you tend to have a North Star metric beyond just the business metrics, right? Like your revenue or things and things like that. But in terms of why you're really doing this, I think what's important is how well you're able to communicate this to people who are looking to, you know, join and yeah. when they join, because that's when people sort of truly understand that if they're at the right place or if whatever they personally aspire to, that's one. And second, I would say is how do you make sure that so I think this is just more got to do with culture. And second is, I think, how do you build a team which sort of uh, feels empowered to make more and more decisions on their own and have that same action towards bias, which I, I was mentioning, I saw at Cars24. I think these are two things which personally I feel uh, are things which I have learned a lot, yeah. right? Uh, these are things which we not always got it right. We had a phase of COVID for one and a half years where you know we were... Uh, the same number of people for at 50, close to 55 people for, you know, we went into COVID at 55 headcount. Uh, one and a half years later, we were uh, again around at 55 headcount. Right. So as founders, we got very hands-on at that time. And when we sort of started growing, we didn't realize that our approach needs to evolve as well, right? So these are some of the learnings which we had. How do you, how do you find that balance between being involved versus making sure that people are able to run the show as well? It's the, the biased action thing, which is famously a, a Jeff Bezos tenant, right, from Amazon. It, it's actually really important. And, I, and frankly, I think it's one of the keys to building a company from scratch. You just have to do something, really. And in a way, you have to just do anything at the beginning. Because if you do nothing, then you're doing nothing and you learn nothing and you grow in no particular way at all. Right. 
I really believe this, and it's so hard to explain, like, why that's so important. You know, Nike had this commercial that said, just do it. And it kind of it kind of resonated with me from the beginning because it's like, you're either going to play the game or you're not going to play the game, but you're not half playing the game, right? And it's the same hey. thing in business, I think, and that's the bias to action. But how do you, what's the right word? How do you imbue that or inculcate that into the company? Like, how do you, do you just tell people, like, hey, look, I, I think I need to do this or that. Just say, look, just try something. This idea that they're not going to get in trouble is also super important, right? Right. How do you do that thing, though? How do you teach people that? Or how do you make that part of the culture? Yeah, uh, so very good question, right? So I think when we started out, you know, some of the first few people who joined us were people from our first level of network, people whom we have worked with in the past. So, you know, yeah. the first 10, 15 people, we knew them really well. That's the sort easy part, a, though, right? Yeah, that's the easy that's part, easy. right? Uh, so one experiment which sort of worked out for us, uh, you know, we had, when I look at the composition of the first 50 people, there were two sets, right? So the first set was people who had, you know, worked in multiple startups, had like seven, eight, 10 years of experience. And the second set were people fresh out of college, right. like literally in their first, yeah. right? At that time, you know, you know, I would, I, I would say them the same thing, right? Like, hey, let's do it quickly. But what I identified, right, not just me, but as a team, what we identified is that, you know, not just in India, but from a society standpoint, right? Uh, what we learn growing up is uh, doing our best, right? And best is measured very highly in terms of quality of work, right? And just to give you a simple example, right? Like Please. as a parent, someone will tell their child that, hey, they should be coming first or they should be getting 90 out of 100, yeah, right? Yeah. So, 98 out of 100, but yeah, fair enough. 98, <laughs> yeah, these days it's 98, right? <laughs> so I started explaining to people that, hey, at Trapline, it's not about getting 98, right? It's definitely not about that. I used to ask them this question that if you study for two hours for a subject, uh, how much marks would you score? And how much would marks you would score if you studied for four to eight hours? And how much, how many hours you would need to study if you wanted to come first in the class, right? So people would give their marks and range. And then I would tell them that, hey, fast really means that studying for those four to eight hours, which gets you, which gets you 80% marks. Right. So let's get to that and then figure out what to do next, right? Like instead of saying that, hey, we have to just do it fast, people don't really know what that means, right? Yeah, so don't. we sort of have to explain to them that what you're being measured against is how quickly you started executing on something. Are you learning from doing what you're doing? And then are you iterating, right? So we really changed our evaluation and, and we have like a monthly feedback as well, right? So we changed that to being more and more got to do with, you know, if we, you know, thought of an idea was some basic version of it, something we could make live today or, or tomorrow, did we sort of implement that? There's so many ways to explain this. I mean, when I was at UBS for a year, one of the things I talked about a lot was the Pareto principle, right? Like 20% of your effort is going to create 80% of your outcome. And if you, as soon as you understand that it's, it really is like an epiphany, right? This power law, the power law distribution. And once you understand this stuff, it makes it so much easier. And yet you're right. In most cases, most kids are not taught that by their parents. They're literally taught. And I was joking before, like it should be a 98. And if you come home with a 98, the typical tiger parent would say, what happened to the other two points? So fair enough. But building that culture actually is interesting when you have really experienced people and then just new grads, right? Because there's this massive imbalance with experience and with knowledge. And if you can accomplish that, that that's a really cool thing. Yeah. 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 So it actually worked out pretty well for us because one thing we learned is that people fresh out of college didn't really have any biases. Yeah. So, in a way, you know, 
for them, for some of them at least, uh, you know, what they saw at the company is they expect they extrapolated to that's how it should be everywhere. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> which is a good, which is a good outcome. Yeah. Do you have, and I don't normally ask statistics, but I'm just trying to get a sense for, for one thing so I can ask another question as a follow-on. How many insurance, not insurance, how many um, travel agents are there in India? And to be fair, Travclan really could be used by travel agents everywhere in the world, right? So it's not just an Indian product, yeah? Yeah. So uh, actually, there are like close to two and a half, three lakh uh, travel agents just in India alone. So what is right? a lakh for people that don't know? Sorry. So close to 250,000 uh, travel agents in India. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, this is the reason why I asked, and this is the reason why I had insurance on my brain. I do an entire, actually I do two podcasts on insurance, the Asia InsurTech podcast and InsurTech Amplified. And I'm constantly hearing this idea that there's not enough distribution for insurance products in right. Asia and in India included. Do you think sometimes about once you get the agents online, once they get used to using technology to distribute both digital and physical products, right, for travel, that there's a way to also have them distribute insurance, not just to themselves, because they're a group, right? So now you can get really lower cost insurance for all of those 250,000 people, but then for their customers as well. And I'm not talking okay. just about travel insurance. I'm talking about health, life, stuff like that, where they may or may not have it already. But if I trust you, I may buy another product from you as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does, right? Pretty much, you know, what you explained is true for India, right? Like, so, you know, when when you look at India, right? Like, India is a very, very diverse country. Very. And, you know, it's not just diverse from, you know, the cultural aspects of it, but people live in tier, like, you know, there is a very large growing segment in tier two, tier three segment uh, cities in India who sort of now are getting at that, stages in their lives or in terms of their disposable income where they're thinking about you know travel where they're thinking about healthcare where they're thinking about insurance where yeah. they're thinking seriously about education right and you know one of the largest challenge in india uh, i would say not just in india but many of the developing economies is that everything happens on trust but there is yeah. a large deficit yep right what that means is that i want to do more and more business with someone that I trust, but I generally don't tend to trust people because of the past experiences that I've had and what, you know, I've been taught to not trust people easily. Completely right? agree with you. It's so hard, right? It's like, I want it. I know I need to do that thing. And I keep looking at that thing. And I did this with my own insurance, to be fair. This is a true story. I was like, I just don't trust the people that are trying to sell it to me. And then when I met an agent that I did trust literally through a friend who's like, you can trust this lady, I was like, okay, now I can actually buy it. I could ask her all the questions and I believed everything she said to me. Yeah, no. So that's how, you know, uh, travel agents grow their business as well. Right. And in terms of them expanding their base. So a lot of these travel agents, especially in tier two, tier three cities, right. They're essentially looking for a better way to live their lives and earn yeah. a better livelihood. Yep. Right. Yep. So if them investing two, three, five weeks of their time, uh, learning about insurance, right, helps them earn that extra money yeah. and also add value to the lives of their customers. Because, yep. you know, typically people will not be traveling every week or every month, right? right. Like people would right. travel once in a quarter, once in six months, or if it's a leisure trip, it would be even less frequency, right? right? So as an agent, I want to have more and more ways 
that I can stay connected to my customer. It's the same family, right? So if I can, you know, add value to the life of this family by saying that, hey, there is this insurance policy and this is how it's going to, you know, cover for your healthcare or, you know, help you save for a rainy day or things like that, or solve for any, you know, exigencies, people will buy it, right? And the challenge with insurance in India is that there is very less knowledge, right? And this is something which, you know, does involve, you know, like a personal advice and you need to trust the source that the advice is coming from. Both are critical. So that's where, you know, these travel agents can ro- play a role. And some of the travel agents, you know, that we work with in India, like who come from, uh, you know, smaller towns and cities, uh, they do not just insurance, but they help you with loans as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, they should be, they should be a fintech to begin with, but that's a different story altogether, right? Because they have the, they have the connections. <laughs> yeah, with the and some of them are. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, it's crazy that, you know, some of them started uh, their business by just doing mobile recharges, right? That's where, you know, they build that trust because uh, 10 years back, you know, you had to go to a shop to get your mobile recharge. Today we do it through the internet and so on and so forth. But that's where, you know, they sort of built that trust because people would coming, were coming to their shop, getting their mobile recharges. I love it. And there are lots of other things which go into play, right? Like credit is a huge thing in India, yep. right? So that's again, something which has sort of helped these travel agents build their network. I want to ask you one more fun question before I let you go. Sure. The outcome of travel, whether it's business travel, whether it's one day travel or whether it's leisure travel, like you just said, the outcome right. of all these travels is a story. That's correct. It just is though. Shouldn't you have yeah. your own show? <laughs> Shouldn't you have your own show where like when people come back from traveling, you just have them tell, tell their best travel story and then you <laughs> publish it as like not sponsored by, but like supported by TravClan. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it encourages yeah. more people to travel and more people to tell stories and it feeds off itself. And then you ask them like how they booked it. They booked it on traffic, like all this kind of stuff. You have to do this, no? Yeah. So probably I'll start with having a good host for the show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would be an amazing host for the show. Uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but anyway. anyway, just yeah. something to think about. Okay, pal, yeah, I will let you go. I will let yeah. you go. Arun Bagaria, a co-founder and the CEO of Trackland. This has been a blast for me. I hope you had fun as well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, much. I did. Thank you. Thank you so much.